Well, 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 look who finally decided to show back up. I don't know what you're talking about. I just went to grab a snack. It was like 10 minutes. Dude, what do you, what do you mean? These people, but they've been waiting. We forget it. Forget it. All right. Let's just get back into it. Episode starts now. And we get to chapter 17, the man with two faces and our big reveal. You ready? Can I get a little drum roll, please? Oh, there we go. It is Professor Quirrell. No, it's not. There's no way. Can't be. It is indeed. Stuttering Quirrell? Yep, stuttering hapless Quirrell. Like, which that's actually kind of funny because in his like classic big villain monologue, he actually makes fun of that. Like, yeah, and doesn't and stutter like, at all. <laughs> yeah, he like th- he like lays into it at the end. And he like, does like fake stuttering at the end. Like this dude is such a dick. This is awesome. Which super <laughs> confused me because we do get the timeline. I don't under. I now understand when he. Uh, got a little secret under his turban i don't understand when or why he started stuttering because i swear that when they introduced him they said he'd been stuttering for years they said he ran into like a vampire or something or he ran into something that like kind of scared him and that's when he started stuttering i think so he's been stuttering for a while he hadn't he had just run into Voldemort recently yes within the last year because he didn't teach last year. He went on a sabbatical and went to go. Yeah. And that's when he met Voldemort. But I thought they said he started before that. Yeah, I think he was just, like, not super confident. And then he got big britches because Voldemort was his boy. Right. So that's what I'm getting at is that's um, more of an explanation for why he did switch sides and, and really take Voldemort as his master was – this is the dude who gave him confidence that he hasn't had his whole life. If he really has been stuttering as a professor this entire time, and then he meets a guy who bolsters him up in all the wrong ways. But again, it goes back to Hitler. Hitler really did make people feel more confident underneath him. All of his generals felt stronger, felt more like big men. Uh, and it's just, it's crazy to see the instant effect that he had on Coral to get rid of a lifelong stutter. Cause that's what it seems like it was. Yeah, and you've got to give it to him. He, like, continued to play it up throughout the school year, too. He kept pretending that he was, like, oh, Mr. Stuttery, like, nervous quirrell, like, things like that. I mean, he probably definitely was nervous because he was, like, fucking up a lot. But also, at the same time, this kind of goes with Voldemort's MO and that he's able, very able to prey on the people, the weak that are seeking the strong or the strong that are seeking somebody to guide them to more victims of their torture or their harassment or things of that nature so you see clearly here that at first professor quirrell was pretty weak and then he ran into voldemort and now he's got that sense of power so that's why he was able to get sucked in on by him so easily absolutely and huge shout out because whether they're good or evil all good ravenclaws quirrell was able to pull off the con of a lifetime because he is a ravenclaw I did not know he was a ravenclaw down with ravenclaws yeah ravenclaws have the second most uh, death eaters out of the houses and it's not even close they have almost as much as slytherin it's insane oh i don't like that it's Boo. smart people want more knowledge man they don't care how they get it oh not a great look bob not it's a not great look it's really not <laughs> yeah so like i was saying before before we got that was a good tangent but before I, we got off of that tangent i was saying before that Quirrell does the classic super villain monologue where he tells every Harry his entire plan, like everything that's been going down. It was like, it was I who let the troll in the dungeon. I was jinxing your probe. And then Snape was innocent and everything. He tried to save you. He was protecting you by referee at the next match. 
didn't even need to. Dumbledore was there. Meh. And he headed Quirrell off when he was trying to get the stone while he was everybody was distracted by the troll. So only time I will ever say this, S Snape, you are absolved of blame here. Free Severus. Otherwise, you are a dick, and I hate you. Super glad so, that I gave Snape the MVP last section. He even gets defended again at the end of this chapter. I was a huge Snape fan on the first read-through after this book. Yep, he definitely he definitely deserves some kudos here, even though he's a bit of a jerk. He definitely deserves some kudos. Good for you, Severus. I also think Love it's respect. really funny that Coral goes on this evil villain monologue and gives literally everything away, because the next evil villain monologue we get in a couple pages gives nothing away and it just shows you the difference of experience of the villains <laughs> probably like is this your first day <laughs> in villain school boy it really is it really is dude it was like only a matter of time before like if somebody if anybody was able to get here so much quicker in the middle of his monologue he would just get like stupefied like in the middle and just crumple over like stunned yeah i'm pretty sure he would lose to a duel to almost every professor in school oh very easily extremely easily <laughs> he actually might be more powerful than we're giving him credit for because apparently he just clicks his fingers together and ropes tie around Harry. Like he didn't even have to use a wand, didn't have to wave it, didn't have to. It's nonverbal spells. First example. It's Ravenclaws, man. They oh they got gosh, skills they... down to a pat. He's uh don't just he uses a forbidden spell in a little bit too. I I assume it's Avada Kedavra. I don't think they actually he... say which one it is. But yeah, he's, he was about to. He's yeah. good at he's good at spells. <laughs> yeah, he I just don't think he's good it. at the right ones. This man does not yep. know Expelliarmus. You can't tell me he knows Expelliarmus. Definitely not. <laughs> Zachariah Smith raising your eyebrows at that spell. A <laughs> little bit of a spoiler, but we'll make fun of him in due time when we get to that part. He is also a Hufflepuff. He gives Hufflepuffs a bad name. Ignore Zachariah Smith. Don't be Zachariah Smith. So the guy, there's one obstacle in the way of getting the Sorcerer's Stone, and what a callback it's the mirror of air said drew what do you think crazy am i right yeah Funny how it goes full circle so i try not to spoil it too much when we brought it up the first time but this is why the stone was not down here until after christmas i don't know if it was with dumbledore or it was already in the mirror at this point but it is funny that when quirrell let in the troll and tried to steal the stone at halloween he was going to the wrong place because it was not where it is now so it is funny that snape got bit by fluffy and was the hero but he was actually protecting nothing the stone wasn't there yet there the stone was just like chilled on the ground or it was, it it was like literally dumbledore's just pocket. sitting there i assume it was like in dumbledore's pocket just chilling he was just walking around with it i was gonna say sock drawer but he hasn't got enough socks lately so probably wouldn't be able to bury it that is true he's socks, upset about his lack of socks yeah gotta give this guy some socks go get the packs from packs on or something that's all i gotta do so Quirrell's looking in the mirror because he he's trying to figure out he's trying to break the curse here figure out how am I supposed to get this stone and just as the mirror is intended to work he sees his true desire of handing the stone over to his master but that doesn't help him because he doesn't have the stone he's like how do I get it and Harry's like my one option right now is to keep this dude talking and stall him out and hope that Hermione gets Dumbledore here in time to save my ass so he just keeps him talking. Uh, he discusses Volt, and then Quirrell discusses Voldemort and how he's with him everywhere he goes, and he doesn't forgive mistakes easily. Now, when he says this line about Voldemort being with him everywhere he goes, I was imagining like 
that song from the Titanic with Celine Dion, where it's like, <laughs> near, far, wherever you are, that kind of stuff. Like, his heart just goes on for him. See, now, but... this is my uh, CCD upbringing <laughs> every Sunday, sitting in class, learning about the Bible. But I immediately pictured, like, the uh, the Jesus walking next to you on the beach scene, like, <laughs> Voldemort in a white robe, just walking hand-in-hand hand with Quirrell. <laughs> Or that quote where it's like talking about the number of sets of footsteps in the sand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quirrell's like, oh, he is with me. <laughs> oh my god. And we're about to find out that it's more than just a figure of speech because we hear a voice that says, use the boy. And Quirrell files this order and he drags Harry to the front of the mirror where Harry's looking in the mirror and he sees his reflection, which is holding the stone and it winks at him and puts it in his pocket and then he just feels it drop into his own pocket he's like what like kudos to him for not reacting at this point because i would have just freaked out but like what the fuck and like if a stone just falls i would not be able to keep my cool like that i don't think he even reacts uh, in a good way in his mind he he knows exactly what happened he's like ha i got it suck it <laughs> but yeah straight faces it yeah and dumbledore tells us how he's able to do this a little later but and Harry's, Harry's like outwardly defying him. He pulls a page out of Ron Weasley's book. He's like, "I see myself shaking hands with Dumbledore. I've won the House Cup and like things like that." And Voldy can't take it anymore. He's like, "Let me speak to the boy face to face." Yeah, because Quirrell one hundred percent buys that story, and that's when Voldy snaps. He's like, "You're an idiot if you think that's the truth." You clearly just graduated villain school. You haven't had any time to field. You don't know what's going on. Let me let me do this for you. So, Quirrell takes his turban off and surprise he's got Voldy in the back of his head big what is going on moment here and also now that we've seen this so happy we could go back to episode three where we remarked about the twins pelting Quirrell in the back of the head with snowballs the greatest act of defiance that the series have seen has seen thus far eat snow dark wizard lord you suck take that snowball to the face enjoy it yeah, the That's greatest the greatest act of defiance against both of the main villains of the series, because Umbridge is one hundred percent the other main villain, is done by the twins. Snowballs and fireworks are what takes down the Dark Lord. <laughs> oh, love the twins. Love Freddie and Georgie. They're Fred fantastic. And Forge. Fred. Never forget. <laughs> Fred and Forge. And then somehow you can't sneak these past the Dark Lord because Voldy knows that the stone is in Harry's pocket and he demands the stone. He's like hand it over lest you die begging for mercy like your parents vicious lie and we see voldy do this a lot throughout the series where he always will twist around world words and events to make people appear less than he is and like raise up his own achievements yes things of that nature this is the um, villain monologue i'm talking about this is how you monologue as a villain if you are set up to try to take over earth please go read this one monologue he does not give anything away he makes Harry feel absolutely horrible. He reminds Harry about the worst thing that's ever happened to him in his life. And he touches upon, like, five major events, but doesn't bring any of them up directly. Because, like, there's seriously five things that are brought up in this conversation that would ruin his plan in the future. That he doesn't know would ruin his plan. It's, it's not obvious. But if he said them, it would definitely ruin some things. Especially who told voldemort where to find the kid and why he was important that's extremely important later on in the series and voldemort doesn't spill it here props to voldy on his villain monologue yeah dude big facts but like at the same time voldemort's a huge bitch he has a huge misunderstanding of death and a fear of it also and like a misunderstanding of love and how like everything involved with it 
he's just super salty that this muggle-born woman was able to stand up for him, like, didn't cower at his feet. So, you suck, take your L, you're the worst. See, now um, I read that as the lie. I did I did not feel like that was the truth. He's trying to say it like it's the truth. Though. Oh, right, okay. It's, I thought I yeah. thought we got on different pages where you believed that he felt like that. Oh, no, no, no. That's in his head. He, I'm going to tell you that your mother and your father were groveling at my feet and begged for mercy, and right. I just, like, killed them in right. Cold that's, blood, but it's like that's another thing that he doesn't spill here is yeah. why he didn't want to kill harry's mother yeah like just so that, much that he doesn't yeah. say here uh, every every other and this is more a, a props to jk and uh, authors in general who know how to handle a villain monologue because i get so upset when i watch movies and the villain just spills the entire plot to the character and nothing is spilt here and everything is set up yeah it's it's a very wonderful job here Voldy ends up sicking quirrell on harry and Quirrell can't touch him without, like, a feeling just searing pain all over himself. Harry's trying to fight him off. Quirrell's trying to, like, get him. He's about to use, like you said, he was about to use the killing curse out of it. Harry just, let me grab your face. He just, like, grabs his face and starts burning him up. No Expelliarmus and... needed when I could just touch you. <laughs> nah, don't know Expelliarmus yet. Don't know the love for that spell yet. We're going to get there, though. And Harry just holds on for dear life until he just can't maintain his consciousness anymore. So then in the afterlife, Harry's making a grab for a snitch. He's trying to win the Quidditch Cup by any means necessary, even in death. And he's reaching for it for the House Cup. No, just kidding. He's in the hospital wing. And those are Dumbledore's golden glasses that he's reaching for. I wish he had, like, grabbed so, his nose instead. That would have been hilarious. He just honks on his nose. That'd be really I got funny. your nose. Oh, I would have loved that. That would have been so good. Uh, unfortunately, none of that humor just yet. Um, insert, insert Voldemort, uh, I got your nose memes here. Oh, God. <laughs> so our boy Harry, he was holding on for dear life, fighting against Quirrell. The pain is too much. He just can't stay conscious, and he's just out. And he wakes up the afterlife. He is making a grab for a glinting golden snitch. This is for the House Cup W, the Quidditch Cup W. Just kidding. He's awake in the hospital wing with Dumbledore seated beside him. In classic fashion, he immediately goes into I need to save day mode, like Dumbledore needs to know all of what's going on. So he's like, Dumbledore, Voldemort, Quirrell stone and then he doesn't have to, but he finds out he doesn't have to worry that Quirrell doesn't have the stone so good looks there what Harry has is a bunch of candy sent from his friends and he very nearly would have had a Hogwarts toilet seat from Gretchen Forge if Madame Pomfrey hadn't thrown it away I mean, something about it being unsanitary or something I'm not really sure yeah I don't understand the toilet seat thing at all I don't want to take anything away from friend George they're clearly the best comedians of their time I didn't get this joke went completely over in my head maybe that's what it was it was just what let's send the zaniest thing we can to this hospital wing but i i don't get it oh no drew this is another example of within the same book callbacks by jk rowling where the twins joked to Ginny at the beginning when they're getting on the train to go to hogwarts that they will send her a toilet seat oh my god they present. did <laughs> they just love mailing toilet seats i didn't remember that at all there you go. So they just sent one to Harry as a joke. They were trying to, but Madame Pomfrey put the kibosh on that pretty quick. That's fantastic. And, of course, Dumbledore was able to help Harry and save the day. And classic Dumbledore fashion, just barely not too late. So, good for you, Dumbledore. And while he's telling the story here, shout out to Dumbledore. As much as a troll as he can be, he really does know when to turn it on and off. So he's very serious throughout this entire conversation. And he even says that when Harry asks, oh, you must have gotten... Hermione's owl that she sent and that's why you got here in time he says oh we must have just passed each other in midair him and the owl 
which we find out later is actually a lie that he's telling to make it seem like Hermione was able to accomplish more than she did so that Harry didn't feel bad or felt better about Hermione. I guess that's what he was aiming for. But I thought that was just a really cool tiny touch. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good thing by Dumbledore. He's he'll definitely heap on praise where he can and what it's deserved. So it's very good for him. He's very good at flattery as well. You'll see that as we continue on. So we find out that in order to kind of get everything in order here, in order to prevent against future catastrophes, Dumbledore has worked out with Flamel that he is going to destroy the Sorcerer's Stone. And Harry expresses worry for Flamel upon hearing about the stone which he says before Dumbledore even does. Dumbledore is absolutely delighted. And I love this little exchange on page 297, if you guys want to read along. We're about halfway down the page, and Harry goes, Destroyed, said Harry blankly. But your friend, Nicholas Flamel. Oh, you know about Nicholas, said Dumbledore, sounding quite delighted. You did do the thing properly, didn't you? Classic puppet master Dumbledore. This is just part of what he does. And we'll harp on it time and time again throughout the series that his real MO is that he sees these challenges that are coming up. He's a lot more omniscient and all-knowing of what's going on in his castle and all around the wizarding world than a lot of other people. But he knows Harry is destined for great things, so he will allow him to test himself. He will let Harry take first crack at a lot of these things that are going on. Allow him to grow. He'll prod him in the correct directions as he needs to as things go along. And it's super frustrating, but at the same time, I think allowing people to try and fail and learn from testing is a pretty good way of teaching it. I think it definitely helps out Harry through the rest of the series. Yeah, Dumbledore really, this is the section where he decides, okay, yeah, Harry, I'm taking Harry on as a pupil. This man not only passed every test I put in front of them, he exceeded expectations, he went above and beyond. He found out stuff that wasn't even necessary for passing the test that I was trying to get him to take. Yeah, he definitely he definitely does a good job with how he kind of teaches Harry. I mean, there's a lot of cases where you'll see that he doesn't do a good job, and where he could have clearly done things a lot better. But I, I would argue all, more often than not, he he goes way too far. Which in this case, he probably did go way too far. He let an 11 year old do a bunch of crazy things, which I believe Hermione actually points out later. And Hermione and Ron are both like, yeah, no, that was not okay. And Harry's like, no, 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 it's fine. Dumbledore's awesome. I love Dumbledore. It's like, no, 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 Hermione's right. That wasn't okay. Yeah, he says, Harry says the same type of thing too, which is part of where I picked this up. That he's like, I think Dumbledore just wanted me to test myself. And it's like, if he wanted to test you, he would have given you a paper. (laughs) (laughs) You're falling into the trap already, Harry. Yeah. Oh, geez. Classic Dumbledore, man. And then... He helps kind of like calm Harry's fears and tell him that like, hey, the Flamels lived a very long and fulfilled life. Death is not very frightening. And this section actually like it kind of gets me every time I read back through it that a lot of like the major key quotes that you see a lot of people reference all the time from Dumbledore especially come from this section of the text where he drops the classic line about Flamel where after all, it's in the well-organized mind. Death is but the next great adventure. And that's like being cool with what you've done in life, being cool with everything that's been going on so far, and you live a fulfilled life, so you're good with moving on to the next stage, like the aftermath. And like you said, this is where we get a lot of Dumbledore's lines. Unless I'm mistaken, I believe the reason that this is where we get a lot of the lines is because this is the first time he's talking to Harry in the series, right? They actually haven't traditionally met yet before this. This is one of the first real conversations. The first one, I would say, where they actually sit down and like have a talk and oh, understanding like this. At the mirror, mirror said. I forgot about yeah. the mirror. 
that's okay. I mean, this is still pretty early on. We have a lot of time for Harry Dumbledore interactions as we go along. Right. And, and that wasn't even a real, the... that was more of a continued test. Like he felt like Harry needed a hint on how the mirror worked. And that was really all he said that entire time. This was the first legitimate conversation they have. Yep. And it was largely, a, it was all set up for the end game, Drew. He was prodded in the right right direction. This is how you use the mirror. Yes, like he this was. is what it does. Send him the cloak just in case. Just, just in did. case of what, Dumbledore? In case Voldemort <laughs> attacks the safest school in history? Well, well, yes, actually. Yeah. That's exactly what it's for. <laughs> that, is that, that is the case. Speaking of Voldy, Harry's trying to refrain from saying it, and he's trying to say you-know-who, but then Dumbledore drops another one of his classic lines that you see like just about everywhere, where he says, Harry, you got to keep saying his name, just because fear of a name leads to fear of the thing itself. So he wants Harry to understand that he has to be ready to take on this challenge as he goes along. Like He can't be afraid. He, If he keeps saying you-know-who, that'll make Voldemort seem even bigger obstacle to get past than he already will be. You know, so I think that's good that he drops that knowledge on him there. So Dumbledore also keeps trying to drive Keyfoy home to Harry here, where though Voldemort only appears to be delayed in his return to life right now, the key is to just keep fighting. Like, no matter how hopeless it gets, keep fighting it. If only he'll just keep delaying it, and if he eventually comes back in his full form, you'll just have to be ready. Just keep on rolling, and you'll be prepared for this fight. And he then opens the floor to Harry. He's like you may ask questions of me, like things of that nature. And of course, of course, the first question Harry asked Dumbledore was like, nah, nah can't, can't give you the full answer there, pal, that's, sorry. That's one of the ones I can't say, which of course does mean that we're going to get an answer eventually in this series, but not this book. Yeah, and all the stuff is stuff that he should have said that's all super important. Uh, yeah, which, probably. He, there's no reason great. to hold any of this back. Yeah, we... We'll get to Order of the Phoenix where it's pretty it's pretty crushing where we go through this whole section. Like it's a very that section's a pretty big mark on Dumbledore yeah. as a mentor at yeah. that point. Because it's it's the classic classic trope in books of movies of I didn't tell you because I was trying to protect you. Where it's there's never a situation where withholding information is going to assist in protection. The more information, the better at all times, always. And it ends up just doing loads more harm than good. Absolutely. In that book, especially. And it leads to some tragedy that could have very easily been prevented if he was honest with him from the get-go, which is a huge bummer. Yes. But as we continue on here, while we're still in Sorcerer's Stone, got to keep that in mind, Sorcerer's Stone. Um, <laughs> but it's important. Also- uh, legitimately, I don't want to make it seem like we're going on tangents for no reason or trying to spoil things. The foreshadowing that jk does in these books is just that amazing she clearly had the roadmap set out the minute she started writing the first chapter of this book she knew exactly how the story was going to end and the payoff is so worth it too i'll tell you that right now like the payoff for a lot of these things are very much worth it i'm not the hugest book reader out there i was a lot more active a reader when i was a kid well it's hard to put it into it's really hard to like put it into perspective that's really hard to say to put it into perspective unless you go through the series and you're especially like super jealous if you're doing it for the first time if you roll through it and then you see these payoffs that come through at the end it's like wow she had this planned out so many pages back we got that nugget of knowledge there and we've been sitting on that as we've gone through and then boom here's where the knowledge bomb drops here's where it pays off and i still am a huge reader and it's extremely hard for me to go back and reread any kind of series 
my favorite series of all time, Sword of Truth series, I don't think I'll ever be able to go back and reread it because I am worried that I'm going to nitpick and find things that weren't foreshadowing or plot holes or whatever. Uh, and I was worried when you said, hey, we're going to do Harry Potter first. You're rereading Harry Potter. I was like, all right, I hope it's okay. And it's been a, a fantastic because I'm picking up on all these little things literally in the first chapter, first couple pages of this book that aren't touched upon for thousands of chap of pages from then on. And it's fantastic. You're 100% spot on, man. I really enjoy like all these little callbacks and all of these little things that you pick up as you go through. Pipe dream of mine is if I ever, like I'm an accountant right now, if I ever go back and decide to be a professor at a college to like teach accounting and they let me teach like a bullshit for fun class, I would love to put together like a Harry Potter literature analysis class. I think that would be a lot of fun. Something small like that. Anyway, while Dumbledore does not give Harry the answer to some of the questions he is very desperately trying to find out, we do get some other small nuggets that are going to be important for later on and other small nuggets to keep in mind as you continue to read the series. So Harry is protected by his mother's love. Dumbledore will at least that, that, let that little bit go. He will let Harry know that little piece. Which is interesting um, because I believe he didn't even tell McGonagall that in the first chapter right because she specifically asked how do you think a child survived against Voldemort and Dumbledore said he didn't know yeah correct he did not he did not give that information away to McGonagall he definitely kept that much very secret he does not want like this is the type of knowledge he doesn't want getting out and this is part of Dumbledore's character and that he holds a lot of things close to chess but he will give out certain factoids as he feels it's necessary yes he's very much the type of dude that holds everything in and that's very key to understand about his character. If you guys take anything away from Dumbledore as a character at all, keep that in mind throughout the series and keep that in mind whenever you see him telling Harry things. You probably are not getting the full story from out of his mouth and you will not get the full answer of anything until way later in the book or way later in the series. Yes. So keep that in mind. Which is interesting because the only blatant lie that he tells during this interrogation i guess this question and answer session that he does with harry i don't actually think that he knows is a lie the part on why voldemort killed his parents or no excuse me the part on why snape hated james potter that's uh, correct yes v dumbledore says that it's because he was always bullied by him by him however james saved his life somehow we don't know and that he, Dumbledore, believes that Snape was attempting to protect Harry to repay that debt. Which I don't think Dumbledore knows is a lie. Which we learn later that's a lie. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was interesting. That that's a bit of information that he felt like giving out in a very condensed conversation where he's not giving a lot of information out. And it's, it's actually incorrect, which is unusual for him. Yep, that's exactly pretty spot on. This is something else to keep in mind with especially this context that you're talking about, Drew, that a lot of these characters are very gray, especially Harry's dad. Like James Potter, he's very much built up as a very great dude. And we learned that maybe he wasn't always that great or he wasn't necessarily the best person. So again, part of what is said here is not necessarily the truth in that Snape only really hated James because they were always at each other's throats and then one day james saved his life and snape felt he was in debt to him there's a lot more to that relationship than is let on here and you guys will have to stay tuned especially to till order of the phoenix really where we get a lot of that background is it even really, order of the phoenix or is it half blood prince we get a good amount of it in order of the phoenix we do okay 
Mm-hmm. And yes, as much as I joke about the indefense of whichever character and the series that I do legitimately want to make, I can only do videos like that if you create these amazingly well-written characters that do have multiple sides to them. There are legitimately, it's almost a 50-50 split on people either love Snape or hate him. There is no in-between. He is such, he's so great to the point that it's polarizing, which blows my mind. He's just that well-written of a character. Yeah, he's, in terms of literature, he's super compelling. And you'll see a lot of people fall on many different sides in terms of Snape. Personally, I'm not a very big fan of him because I think whatever good he does is kind of outweighed by a lot of his actions. And that's my personal perspective. See, where, get, whereas yeah. I'm a huge fan because I feel like a lot of the bad he does, he does in memory and in defense of something he truly loves and believes in. So even though it may be wrong, he doesn't know or realize that it's wrong because he's looking at the smaller picture. So I, I can't really blame him that much. Spot on, Drew. Spot on. It'll be good. It'll be good to get into a little bit more of his background later on as we get through the rest of the series. And we could debate that in a little more depth. For now, we got to keep it surface level. If I can talk about it without crying. <laughs> oh my god, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. There's, there's, there's two things in this in this series that get me literally every time, and one is Goblet of Fire, and then one is Half Blood Prince. One's oh, with, there's a part. One's with Snape, and one's with Harry's dad. Which is funny that it's it always comes down to Snape and James. Yeah, it always comes down to Snape and James. Oh, dude, there's one like there's one part at the end of Deathly Hallows. This is not related to Snape at all, but it always gets me super hyped to the hype world. There will be like sword of tears, fire. <laughs> There'll be manly excitement tears. <laughs> not even really that, but mm, it's my favorite part of the end of the book. E- either way, we'll keep going. The whole also, I will tell you guys right now, the whole very last chapter of action in the series is an absolute masterpiece, and the movie did it a huge disservice. Down with David Yates. So. Our big deep section here ends with Dumbledore plowing through Harry's birdie bots, ever flavored beans. Classic Dumbledore. Just like, he's like, oh, you got candy? I love candy. That's my password. And he's like digging through them and he's like, never really been a big fan of birdie bots. I always get the shit out of the stick when I draw one. And then he pulls one out and he tastes it. He like retches. He's like, alas, earwax. I think Gross. it's hilarious that he knows exactly which horrible flavor it is, too. How do you know what earwax tastes like, Dumbledore? I don't know. I, I, I don't have a good answer. Nothing snarky, nothing fat matter of fact. I got nothing for you, dude. <laughs> and then I think Ron puts it very well later when Harry's recounting all this stuff to Ron and Hermione. He goes, regarding Dumbledore, Ron's always just like, I always knew he was off his rocker, which like, yeah. <laughs> he is. He's insane. Crazy. To his credit, ha- doesn't really do much, but he apologizes <laughs> to Harry. Yep. So this is this is when I lost it. This is when I really I was trying to hold on. I couldn't do it. When Hagrid comes in bawling to an eleven year old who is in a hospital bed because he was unconscious for three days, and the first thing he says is, "It's all my fault. It's all my fault. It's all my fault." That's that's when I snapped. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. No. Yes, Hagrid. <laughs> it is all your fault. The entire plot of this entire book is literally your fault. If you could have kept your damn mouth shut and not engaged in illegal gambling activities, and of course they were at, this is probably going to spoil something, but like two bars at in uh, Hogsmeade, uh, three broomsticks and the Hogshead. Uh, three broomsticks is the more well up to do, like you'll see it like a soda sofa, like an uppity bar. Yeah, in, no, like, of course downtown. he goes to the biker gang bar where he plays poker. Yeah, he goes to the dive and he's like hanging out with all like the seedy people. Like He says that, it, oh yeah, it's just normal for people not to show their face in there. Then why would you go there, Hagrid? 
Yeah, but yeah. Who are you try to hide from. Are you hiding your face? Don't don't tell the Death Eater who trades you a dragon egg how to deal with Fluffy, and then don't tell eleven year olds anything. Stop spilling things to Harry. L- those two things drive the plot of this entire book. Oh, You're dumb, Hagrid. Fired up. Uh, he should have been fired. He legitimately yeah. should be fired. As much as I defended him earlier that every other professor failed, they failed against a Death Eater, not against eleven year olds. He should be fired for spilling it to the eleven year olds. Well, actually, like I'll give him. Thank God he spilled the beads to the eleven year old, so they could actually save the day. Dumbledore was sitting on his thumbs, waiting for Harry to do something. Snape, <laughs> Snape would have saved it eventually. Long live Snape. Yeah, maybe we'll see. So that's it. That's, do... It's nowhere near as bad as as my Hermione rant because it's just so much more obvious. Hagrid's an absolute moron in this book. Yeah, absolute. It's not great. It's, it's bad. Uh, it's bad. I just I did think it was funny how he was lamenting that he should never drink again and be cast out to live with the Muggles. Which like we'll see how long that lasts. Hagrid being yeah, super dramatic here. Yeah. First of all, you're good. At, this is like the How I Met Your Mother stint where they say they're not going to drink and then that night they're twelve beers deep. And you're six feet taller than every other Muggle. Even if they wanted to kick you out, they couldn't. Exactly. That's exact. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> and Harry sets him straight, and he's like, "Stop being afraid." Like you said, Drew. Stop being afraid. Be afraid of saying Voldy's name. Quit your damn blubber, and everything's cool now. Harry, put him in his place. Yeah. I would have it's... made up for all of it if, from this moment on, Hagrid said Voldemort instead of you know who. But he doesn't. He doesn't learn anything from this situation. He doesn't get more courageous. He doesn't shut his mouth anymore. Yeah, it's pretty bad when you have 11-year-olds that are more mature than Hagrid, who is in his, like, probably 50s or 60s, I think, at this point. Yeah. He's a much older man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Not great. I think it. I think it is 60s, because he's the same age as Voldemort. Yes. yeah. He's basically the same age. I think it's There's upper couple- 60s. Yep, there's only a couple year difference. Jeez. Not very many at all. I never pictured Hagrid as that old. Yeah, there's something like with the ages in here where the ages like don't really work in the book and then they also don't work in the movies because like they age a lot of the prominent character adult characters. In- right. Well, I mean Dumbledore's like 120 right now. Yeah. Something to keep in mind is like James and Lily died when they were 21 yes. and they look like they're 40 in the movies. Which I understand it would i looking back on it when i noticed i think i saw that on pinterest or something like that post of like this is what they should have looked like i didn't like it at all i don't want to see 20 and 21 year olds being murdered by voldemort it makes it too weird so i i i'm okay with them casting up there it's like it's like game of thrones when they cast up for daenerys i did not want to see an 11 year old get raped that was thank you for casting that up thank you (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like the fact that uh, I'm not a big fan of George R. R. Martin writing something like that. That's pretty disgusting. Yeah, every kid in in Game of Thrones is between the ages of like eight and twelve at the beginning, and they all yeah. get messed up pretty bad. So at yeah. least Harry Potter, they only do weird ages with the adults. All the kids are very normal at their normal age. <laughs> yeah, all the kids relatively safe. Occasional deaths, but that's about it. Luckily. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Occasional deaths. I was trying, I was trying to think, but yeah. no, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Hagrid does one decent thing here is he probably could have done this earlier and it probably shouldn't have really been an I'm sorry gift, I think. But he reached out to a bunch of Harry's parents' old friends and he got some nice pictures of them and gave it to him in the little scrapbook so like he could actually have pictures of his parents. So I thought that was really nice, but at the same time, that shouldn't just be an I'm sorry gift. No, you know? no, absolutely. <laughs> I thought this was the cutest thing in the world because 
it means that Harry got both of the things that he saw in the mirror of Harrised. Mm. He got the Philosopher's Stone the second time, and he saw his family in the first one, and now he gets to see his family every day. He doesn't need the mirror for it. So I thought this was a super cute callback to that. Yeah, I don't care that it came from Hagrid. It's whatever. It doesn't make me feel any better about him. Yeah. Fair point. Sorry, Hagrid. This is not a good book for you. You'll pick it up a little bit later. It's not. I I, I mean, Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, no, actually, Prisoner of Azkaban is all his fault, too. Um, Goblet of Fire? <laughs> he helps a lot. Goblet of Fire. <laughs> no, I can't even really defend him in Goblet of Fire because, like, I feel like he helps. Is it he more? He does. I we'll, think we'll take this. We'll take this discussion offline after we record this episode. I'll am, tell you about this after. Am I gonna have to make a like in an attack of series and just roast Hagrid for being useless? <laughs> I don't want to. I love you, Hagrid. But if this keeps up, book after book after book, I'm gonna be pretty upset. Because my expectation, I I remember Hagrid as the lovable half giant from the movies who they casted perfectly, and he was like an uncle figure to Harry. And I am extremely disappointed after this first book. Oh, Robbie Coltrane was such a good Hagrid. He but was. then also, like, I hate, I love that we're doing deep dives in this. And I love having these conversations. But I hate that we're doing such a deep dive, too, because now it's making me not like Hagrid. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> oh, this is rough. This is painful. This is rough. All right, let's get to the year-end feast, which luckily Harry gets to go to. Yes. Thank God. Yes would have been a shame if our boy got to had to miss that dumbledore um, did specifically tell madam 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 pomfrey to let him go exactly so we get into dumbledore just pulling some serious shit here and... well he realizes that mcgonagall <laughs> destroyed the house cup system he's like well better fix it <laughs> that's essentially what he did like i think the points given were deserved but i okay. think the timing of giving them out is not well points given were deserved he gave out the same amount of points they lost for being out at night for saving the world. So either McGonagall took way too many points or Dumbledore is not giving enough. Oh, when you put that in perspective, oh, that... <laughs> some kids were out late at night and they lost the same amount of points that Harry earned for defeating the dark Lord who imprisoned the entire wizarding world 11 years uh, ago. Someone is I, wrong here. I think Maybe McG just tanked the points to set a bet with Snape where if, like, she, if Gryffindor came back and won the House Cup, Snape would have to get her, like, a Gwenog Jones jersey from, like, the Holyhead Harpies. Ooh, I think McG, that's the only thing I could think McG of. shorted the stocks and then bought? Hmm. She might have, dude. That's interesting. Because I was just about to say, while we're trash-talking Hagrid, McGonagall also is nearly useless in this book, except for introducing Harry to Quidditch. Yeah, McG is not the best in this book. She is the bomb going forward. Absolutely. Love Absolutely. McG. I mean, come Deathly Hollow, she's literally the MVP. But she shines so hard in Order of the Phoenix, too. Really? See, Such I don't remember queen. that at all. Yeah, well, you wouldn't because they took all the fun Because it's stuff not out in the, the movies. Books, out of movies, yeah. Right. Order of the Phoenix is my favorite movie. I think it's the most well done on screen, but I'm sure they still yeah. cut stuff out. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see why you think she's the MVP there. Oh, uh, dude, there's. Uh, well, yep, yep. we'll talk about we it when there. we get there. I'm excited. When we get there. I'm excited. We're already right, done with so, book one. The series is going to fly. Exactly. So we'll we'll get into we'll get into the current house standings right now. And yep. Harry comes in the Great Hall, decked out decked out in Slytherin gear. All the Slytherins are super smug. The the, the, the Great Hall is decked out in Slytherin gear, not not Harry. 
Yes. <laughs> that would be weird. Yes, correct. <laughs> he's a bad wagoner so hard. He's got a <laughs> He's like, ah, Slither one, better put the gear on. He bought a Tom Brady jersey after the 07 season. He uh yeah. bought a KD jersey as soon as he went to the Warriors, all yep. that stuff. Yep. yep. <laughs> but as of right now, with our current standings, Slytherin has a plus 160-point advantage in the House Cup standings. Over Gryffindor. That, they're only yes. 30 points above Ravenclaw because Ravenclaw is awesome. Correct. That was very close in the standings right there. Mm-hmm. They also did not win the Quidditch Cup, in case you all were wondering, because they did not have a seeker. <laughs> yeah. So they lost to Ravenclaw. Yeah, go Ravenclaw. Yep. yep. No dubs for them this time. So Dumbledore is about to start giving a speech and he's congratulating Slytherin, which like, this is a serious, you're talking troll Dumbledore. This is troll Dumbledore right here. This is bad. This is mean. This is outright mean. (laughs) It wouldn't be as bad if the Great Hall wasn't already in Slytherin gear. That's exactly what my point is. Like, also, these points should have been given out right after the events went no, down. No, 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 because then Harry wouldn't have been there. So I like the fact yeah. that he calls him in, but make a make a statement beforehand and then don't put the Slytherin stuff up and be like, hey, by the way, there's going to be some points given out. Don't don't spoil yeah. it. Don't say that Gryffindor is going to win because of it, but, like, don't deck the place out in Slytherin. Yeah, and, you know, I could kind of see why some of these kids allied with the Death Eaters later on, especially because, like, this was a this was pretty harsh. This was not cool. Dumbledore <laughs> shafts Slytherin. Just in this book, I'm sure there's going to be a multitude of other reasons. First of all, he sends them to their common room when the troll is invading, when Quirrell says the troll's in the dungeon, and then sends them to their common room, which is in, in the, the dungeon. dungeon. <laughs> and then oh. this move at the end is just ultimate horrible person. Ah. Oh. Yeah, this is this is pretty fucked up. Everybody buckle up. <laughs> so Dumbledore is like, all right, guys, Slytherin won, but we got points. Ready? For the best played game of chess Hogwarts has ever seen, 50 to Ronnie Dubs. Good for you, Ron. And then, like, Percy's boasting, like, he did something. He's like, yeah. my brother beat McGonagall's chess set. Fuck That's you, my Percy. brother. Shit. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious that when Dumbledore said it's a secret so the entire school knows, I assume they knew that, like, Harry beat voldemort or maybe not even voldemort like that harry saved the school they know everything they know every detail down to the fact that it was mcgonagall's chess set thank you for bringing that up because i forgot to bring that up i'm very glad you brought that up there are no secrets at hogwarts nothing is sacred there nope everybody knows everything which blows my mind because the next book is called chamber of secrets (laughs) the chamber of tell everybody everything (laughs) because in the end like five kids find the chamber oh my god uh, <laughs> this school, <laughs> this school, safest school in wizarding history. Yeah, so I love Dumbledore's little play on words for Hermione for having a cool head in the face of fire or something like that. Hold on, I have the page in front of me. Another fifty for the, points for use of cool logic in the face of fire. Very, very on the nose, Dumbledore. Fifty points for Hermione. Down sixty. Yeah. Um, no, down fifty. Fifty to tie. Sixty to tie. They were down one six. They were down one six. 50 a piece for Ron and Hermione. Does does Harry get 60? He does. Oh, excuse me. So Harry does slightly edge out. So that's that's my mistake. Harry being caught out at night was 50. Harry saving the wizarding world was 60. So there is a slight differential there. In terms of Harry and Hermione's punishments, they are net plus 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll get to that with Neville in a second. Oh, God. Well, go ahead. Continue. So Harry, for pure nerve and outstanding courage, displayed the Gryffindor attitude. I could I could get behind that. 
he saved the school and possibly for a time saved the wizarding world i think that's worth 60 house points sounds good <laughs> i think that's worth half a quidditch match yep so now we've got a tie yep and that's pretty odd i guess they're gonna split the cup this year but no 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 ties in in house cup points no ties allowed in house cup points we this go isn't to soccer as as it was weird as it is, because we are in Britain. I was just gonna say we don't have ties in America, but they're not in America. So, I actually yeah. would have been hilarious if they ended in a tie. So we're playing NFL overtime rules. First team to get the ball and score wins the game. Mm-hmm. This is for a touchdown mm-hmm. specifically. Field goal does not win the game. And Dumbledore so, called in the water boy. Yes. So Gryffindor <laughs> gets the ball first here, the quaffle, so to speak. Especially because of the amount of points it's getting awarded. They have their first shot on goal. <laughs> So I do actually really like this line here. So I'm going to read it out. Dumbledore raised his hand. The room gradually fell silent. There are all kinds of courage, said Dumbledore, smiling. He's definitely just like relishing this. He's, He's like so excited it. to drop this hammer. He's a fucking dick. <laughs> he hated Slytherin when he was a student here, and he's just admonishing them now. Totally. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies but just as much to stand up to our friends. First of all, don't know how he even knows this. He, he knows literally everything, yeah. but then I doesn't dare... use any of that information. Yeah, he just holds it in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I therefore award 10 points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. The shot is on goal. Gryffindor plus 10 for the W over Slytherin. Kindly suck it, all of you snake bitches. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. The House Cup is coming back to Gryffindor. And while this was a super cold-blooded move in the change of directions right in front of the Slytherins after letting them bask in the W, as a wise man was set, must, uh, a wise man once said, you ain't first, you're last. Draco Malfoy, hold this L. <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious the way you phrased it, that Neville was scoring because... Uh, skipping ahead a little bit sorry the awards for the touchdown award i this was it for me it was neville getting awarded the 10 points this is uh, i felt like me and neville hand in hand scored a touchdown to win the super bowl oh uh, big time big time win like neville never got them at any points he's only ever lost points. yeah so <laughs> let's talk about neville's point history for his first year at hogwarts because i thought this was hilarious i i obviously i was like seven or eight i think when i read this book for the first time and i crunched it all i read it very quickly so now or excuse me i read it very slowly because i was stupid and small now now that i read it all within a two or three week span i thought it was interesting to track neville's points so big obvious one he lost 50 for being out of the the dorms at night for mcgonagall yep we see him lose I remember at least three from Snape. I think it was seven, though. I think there was two different occasions, a three and a four. So I'm just going to assume that he loses probably around 20 from just random teachers throughout the year because it's Neville. So he's already minus 70 going into this House Cup final standings. But then Dumbledore's like, don't worry, Neville. You you did good. Here's 10. So he's still minus 60 on the year. (laughs) So as much as I love Neville, and this was a touchdown moment, he will definitely not be my MVP. Yeah, ratio's not looking good for you there, Neville. You'll no. you'll get yourself together later on, but for right now, no, no. Rough. Rough start for Neville. Minus yeah. 60 on the House Cup standings when it's literally like one by one point. 
And no other teacher other than McGonagall deals in double digits. And this man got that negative 60. That, I think that's talent. I don't know how else he did it. <laughs> and with that, year one at Hogwarts is wrapped up with some ups, downs, and some very big ups for our trio at the end. We get some great interactions with the trio at the end, especially with Ron saying he wants them both to come over for the summer. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Look at that. He wants a little and, action with both of his besties. Oh, yeah. And that they'll all write to each other. Like, great friends but they all live pretty far apart and i'm not super educated on boarding schools and all that but i don't know if that's common to just send your kid across a country or to a a different part of a country to go visit for the summer with your friends from boarding school i feel Um, like if they're older it's definitely common for like 16 17 year olds that are still going to boarding school because at that point your family's probably wealthy too but yeah for an 11 year old i'm probably if i actually care about him if i was the dursleys like okay cool harry never come back again like bye go wherever you want but if I actually cared about my kid, yeah, I'm not going to let him go across the country without me to meet random strangers that I've never met. Yeah, very interesting take there. I mean, at least Hermione's parents do end up meeting the Weasley parents. Yes, um, yeah. The meeting doesn't go as well as it could. But... Which, actually, the Weasleys <laughs> meet the Dursleys as well right now. They do, and they're like, oh, these are your aunt and uncle, Harry. That and meeting like... doesn't go well either. <laughs> and Vernon's like... Yeah, something like that. It's like, what do you mean something like that? That's exactly what you are, you That's, jerk. It's literally, it's not, it's not like you adopted him. It's you are by blood his aunt and uncle. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, like, we get Ginny fangirling when she sees I Harry again. I love Ginny fangirling. Super not subtle at all points. She's like, there he is, Mom. It's Harry Potter. And I don't know if I didn't pick up on the romantic cues because I feel like she's so young because she's 10 here. Yep. So it's weird to me that she's only 10 and this feels like it's almost like a crush beginning on Harry. Or if it's not a crush and she just really thinks Harry's the coolest person of all time. But I didn't pick up on this whatsoever the first read through. Oh, it is very much a crush at this point, I think. And also like fangirl. Like, I think she also might be lapping him in age right now. I don't remember when her birthday is, but I think she might be 11 at this oh, yeah, point. Yeah, I guess because Harry, Harry's only, what, a month or two away from 12? So yeah, she's probably 11. Yeah. Yeah, he's turning 12 in July. I'm trying to... Th- how old are... How, what grade are you in at 11? Uh, I'd say you're finishing up fifth grade fifth, going into fifth. sixth grade. Yeah, I definitely did not have a crush that hard in fifth grade to the point where it was like a romantic crush. So, yeah, I, it's just weird for me to see it in that light. But it's I think that's what JK's getting at. So, I don't know. Maybe she had a crush in fifth grade because this is the female perspective. They are smarter than us. So, who knows? <laughs> yeah we'll see later on Ginny likes boys and she is not afraid of it so good for her she gets what book, she wants book Ginny book Ginny's not afraid of it yeah movie Ginny just doesn't really make a sound sorry Bonnie you kind of got the you kind of got shafted in your character movie Ginny is legitimately the worst difference between the books and the movies especially character wise yeah for those of you that are movie only people or if you haven't read that far along yet very excited to get to introduce you guys to the queen that is Ginny weasley as we interact with her more later on i don't remember her in the books at all i just see all the memes about how awesome book Ginny is compared to movie Ginny. oh true just you wait yeah i'm excited <laughs> i am thoroughly excited to see book Ginny again firsthand oh, be, be very excited my man and with that, we have ended the first book in our coverage of the Harry Potter series. And in spirit of the House Cup and the end of year feast, I think it's time for us to give out some awards. Unless you have anything else you'd like to add before that. No, that was it. Oh, sweet deal. 
award number one with our MVP performance. Drew, who was your best character in this section? This was legitimately so hard. I'm I had to go with Harry in the end because he I mean like he beat Voldemort one v two. So I guess Harry, but you you want to give it to Ron. You want to give it to Hermione. You pretty much want to give it to every character involved except Hagrid. So mm-hmm. in the end, I just got to lean on main character bias but it was very close you could you you can make an argument for a lot of characters at the end here dumbledore uh, realizing it was a trap before he really got to the ministry is mvp move because voldemort would have won if dumbledore didn't show up in time so yeah it's tough tough call yeah i kind of cheated on this and (coughs) i gave the mvp award to the trio as a whole just because i think their combined contributions were great and you especially see harry and ron uh sorry hermione and ron no disrespect to Hermione there, really showing some fortitude and really showing their loyalty to their friend in joining him through all of these trials and struggles no matter what, and also getting their own chances to shine with their own special skills as we went through everything. If I had to choose just one, it would definitely have to be our title boy, Harry Potter, though, just because he experienced so much more and got the upper hand on the Dark Lord again. Yeah. Score one for HP. Keep yep. that in the win-loss column. Yeah, it's officially a million to two now. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Basically. You're oh, now you agree. A child. When we, when, oh, no, I meant a million for Voldemort to two for Harry. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I see we're still arguing about this. The only thing that I see you have a point is if it's literally just Voldemort versus Harry. In the That's one-on-one. That's all I'm talking about. Okay. All I'm talking about. Okay, I'm, I'm talking good versus evil. No, in terms of good versus evil, it's like a million a to two. Of, good took a lot of hits, but they like, took a lot Harry of hits. Voldemort, he's running out of arm space to hold all these L's he's been taking. That for is the true. Past like eleven years. Yes, but but good versus evil, they finally took down the dictator that lasted for twenty years, just for another one to pop up and be even worse. So yeah, not looking great. Yeah, not great. So let's go into our best dunk. Mine is easily the line, are you a witch or not? I love when Ron like hits Hermione with that. And she's just like, oh, yeah, right. And she like uses her spell. Again, we have another fantastic callback to that later in the series. And I can't wait for you to run into it. I can't wait to point it out. Definitely point it out because I'm going to forget. It is my favorite. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, yeah, for me, it was uh, Firenze, the centaur. I almost called him a unicorn. He's a centaur because it's both a knowledge bomb and a dunk. He's dropping a ton yeah. of hot knowledge on Harry. He's like, by the way, we read the stars. Here's everything I know about them. Hopefully they're wrong. Also, hopefully they're wrong. Hopefully my entire tribe are a bunch of idiots. Yes. So both a dunk on his literal family and then the knowledge bomb on Harry. That. Okay. So next award, the walk-off. So best ending to any one chapter in this section. I'm going to start this one because you are the contrarian here. Yeah, but barely. It was very tough for me. Yeah. Uh, tough one for me, but I like the spirit of the end of chapter 17 edges out the suspense of the end of chapter 16 for me. I just like how the kind of happy ending, and especially how Harry's like, they don't know I can't use magic at home, so I'm going to have some fun with Dudley. But I enjoy that part. I thought that was hilarious because as we learn later, wizards know all, and they do know when you use magic at home, so please don't, Harry. Mm, they but, do. But um, <laughs> yikes. Uh, for me, it was exact same thought process very difficult choice between 16 and 17 16 being the more cliffhangery dark 17 being the end of the book light happy Mm -hmm. ever after um but i had to go 16 just because there's more on the line very well done and like we were saying before just the fact that 
JK and like the publisher work together to make it so that you actually have to turn the page to absolve that cliffhanger is chef's kiss masterful work i really enjoy that completely agree so our bulletin board material what any one section stood out to you as something to keep in mind going forward uh drew hit us yeah so mine was the like i was saying the whole monologue between voldemort and harry where voldemort was given these tiniest little morsels because he's actually good at being a villain just keep every that entire sequence of that conversation keep that in mind because i can come back to that five six seven more times in five different books to come it's going to come up next book it's going to come up in goblet of fire it's going to come up three different times in deathly hollows that one conversation hits the tiniest tip of eight different icebergs and i love it yep very well said i'm gonna pick out one portion of that where it kind of bleeds into his conversation with dumbledore where the importance of lily's like harry's mother's love protecting him the night that they stopped Quirrell from stealing the stone that's a very important point and something that you should keep in mind the importance of a mother's love is a very key thing throughout this book yeah this series actually and you just see it a lot legitimately other than expelliarmus it's harry's only real weapon against voldemort so it's it's pretty important very true harry occasionally uses stupefy but that's about it yeah but it's honestly harry could learn the cursed spells or forbidden what are they called forbidden spells i feel like forbidden spells is yep. wrong Un- unforgivable. unforgivable i knew it was curses. close but it yep. felt wrong um there you go the unforgivable curses harry could learn one of those and the mother's love would still just be stronger specifically against voldemort it's it's almost like a spell designed to attack this one person so anything you do isn't going to be as strong exactly it's because he doesn't understand it right because he's never been loved yeah poor guy which is why we ignore cursed child because there's no way he has a child yeah just skip cursed child never read that burn it (laughs) uh award number five our cinderella story for the best example of magic in this segment drew your turn again yeah, this one's weird for me because it's it's a painful use of magic. I had to go with the binding spell that Hermione used on Neville because it has all the layers that I explained earlier that it was supposed to be for Malfoy to use on Neville and Hermione used it and just the whole protecting against friends and enemies and, the, and that gray line again. Like, Hermione is the villain in that scenario, 100%. Exactly. So, for my example, I'm going to go with this might be a back-to-back thing, but the mirror of Erised again is very key here. Uh, great job enchanting it by Dumbledore to get that set up. So it's just more of his puppet master thing where he knew Harry was going to go try to stop Quirreldemort from getting the stone. And he knew that he would be able to get it. So very good bit of magic there and a great way to see it kind of come full circle from where we saw it before and to see Harry use it properly to save the day. I do really love that how much you're into the Mirror of Erised because there's just the fan theory that I brought up when we first met it. I love it so much that Dumbledore is actually the one that made it or helped make it or whatever trying to get back to some loved ones that he's lost. So I definitely have to link you that video or we'll just make our own. But that video, the Carlin yeah. brothers are amazing. If um, there's any Harry Potter fans out there, they have a thousand videos about Harry Potter that are just fantastic. And that's one of them. Definitely go check them out. Awesome. I will definitely have to check them out them myself. I love me a good fan theory. Uh, we won't touch on any of the Game of Thrones ones from before the final season because those were so good. And then the season was so bad. But yes. anyway... <laughs> Award number six, the touchdown award, the section that made you the happiest or made you feel like you scored a crucial touchdown in a big game. So easily would have to say Gryffindor as a whole winning the House Cup 
for me. And especially when Neville gets the last points to put them over the top, that part always gets me. makes me feel really happy for the kid. The blundering idiot saves the day and gets the W, the kid who was always picked on. So, Yeah, so I gave this one away. I said it was Neville. The other one, if I had to pick a backup because you picked Neville as well, it would be Harry getting the family photo album because it's really that is all he wanted this entire book he had to change his wants to try to protect the school and the world at the end but his personal wants was just to be able to see his family and it's it it was such a touchdown moment that he's able to do that whenever he wants now yeah maturity beyond his years you could totally say for sure and then the last award the 30 for 30 moment which piece of this section would you say was an all-time unforgettable moment drew for me, it was when Harry looks into the mirror and his reflection winks back at him and drops the stone in because it's yes. just so not iconic, but visual. You instantly see it because there's not much to picture. You're not picturing this magic castle or uh, wands attacking each other. It's it's just a kid looking in a mirror and winking at himself. It's so easy to, to picture and cool and just a great image. Yeah, it also it shows you that this 11-year-old child just outsmarted and out-virtued this, like, super big, bad, dark wizard that could cast a spell to snap him in half very quickly. Yeah, pretty sure he's 67 at this point, too, the dark wizard, so. Yeah, what a yeah. fucking loser, dude. Get a hobby. <laughs> Getting absolutely owned by an 11-year-old. <laughs> and then I'd say mine is the talk with Double Lord Harry in the hospital wig at the end, where, like you touched on a bunch before, didn't give him everything. He gave him just enough that he had a little bit to chew on and he gave us just enough to keep in mind through the rest of the series yeah and even the thing to keep in mind about that conversation isn't even the topics that were brought up it's the way that dumbledore holds conversations like you were saying he will never give everything in a conversation ever as we see later harry has to go these weird roundabout ways to find out dumbledore what's in dumbledore's head because mm-hmm. Dumbledore won't just say it. 100%. Very well done, Drew. Very well put. So that, that makes one book down and six to go. I can't believe movies. we're one down. It's It feels weird. Yeah, I know. We cranked through this, man. And I like to think we gave you guys some good content to chew on. That is my hope. So next time you guys come and meet with us, we'll be doing a book and review where a lot of these podcasts have kind of run a little long just because me and Drew, we both get sidetracked. And I think we go on some pretty positive tangents too. I think we like to balance it out a little bit. So our book and review, we're going to try to keep it, I think, to an hour. Do you think that's fair, Drew, to just kind of go through and summarize the book and hit on important themes and just as a reminder for the people for what happens next? You yeah, think I mean, fair? I'm going to say that we're going to aim for a half hour, so then it's only going to be an hour and a half. Even better. <laughs> Even better. Because we're definitely going to overshoot it. These oh, these uh, sections were supposed to be an hour each, so yes. Yeah. Tangents. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, like Ron said, I'm hoping you guys are enjoying the content. If you're still listening at this point, either you misclicked and you're asleep or you really do enjoy the content. So, thanks But either way, around. if you misclicked and you're asleep, you're giving us some finishes on our episode. So thank you so much. <laughs> Besides our book and review, we are also going to be doing a Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone movie edition episodes where... We look at the good, the bad, the ugly of the movie compared to the book, where we will will either rise some pieces up and we will break it down pretty hard as well. Again, I truly hope you've enjoyed our coverage of the first book of the Harry Potter series. We have so much more to discover in the wizarding world and many more adventures to experience. I'm extremely excited to finish out the series with you all, and I hope you guys are all geared up too. But until next time, friends, 
don't let the dark lord snatch your stones.